Well, it's sure nice to have you back here on the Rancher Radio Podcast. And we're talking about the revelation here. This time up, I want to introduce you to Ryan Herring, an independent filmmaker who has a grand plan using his talents to present the Urantia book through an innovative new way. In our conversation, Ryan explains cinematic translation and what it will take to get it from vision to reality. Creator of Fifth Epical Films, Ryan Herring joins us on this episode of the Urantia Radio Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Rancher Radio Podcast. My name is Jim Watkins, and I'm very happy to have on, I mentioned this last time, that we're going to have a gentleman on, Ryan Herring. Ryan Herring is someone you may have seen, you might even know him. Uh, he's from Washington, and he wants to produce movies, and we'll get into all the details about it, and he wants to start producing movies based on the Urantia book, which I think is a fantastic idea, and it kind of spurred my interest to reach out and find out what he's up to. So please welcome to the program, Ryan Herring. Ryan, are you in Port Angeles today? I'm here at my house. I, I'm a real estate agent um, professionally, so, yeah. and actually I work from home. So oh, I'm isn't that sweet? Home, so. I mean, if there's one thing that came yeah. out of COVID, which uh, there were not many things that came out, is that uh, humanity, or at least Western society, decide, you know, I think it might be a, a, a possible solution to, you know, traffic. Because I was always worried, well, what's going to happen? Soon nobody's going to be able to get anywhere. And then COVID came along and suddenly everybody's working from home. So uh, maybe that'll do something to help, you know, slow down the deterioration of our environment. Who knows? But anyway, it's good to have you on. And I want to talk about a lot of things. First, when did you get to know the Ranch book? How did you find it? What, what was going on in your life? And tell us about that journey. Well, so I guess I, I discovered it. Um, in 1999, and I was 20 years old at the time, and uh, I just was doing independent studies on my own into spirituality and um, just really studying, trying to take a deeper dive into all different types of world religions. And which ones did you try before you finally settled on the Arantia book? Or which ones well, did you like? <laughs> I, I, there's, a, there's a little bit of something in every one of them, you know, that's appealing. So I guess I, if I roll back a little further, I was raised um, from time I was, well, before I can remember, until I was 14 and I chose to leave um, as a Jehovah's Witness. So oh, I was is that right? Of, uh, okay. Deeply schooled in Christianity mm -hmm. um, uh, or a certain brand of it, I guess you could say, um, from a young age. So... So I was religious, and, and Joe's Witnesses, you know, they meet three times a week, and they go out and they uh, do door-to-door -door evangelistic work on the weekends and and evenings sometimes. So, yeah, so I was doing a lot of religious activities, I guess, when I was a youth. I was, that's what I was brought up around. Um, but then I sort of, you know, I, I grew up, I... I I got in as a teenager. I got into I guess counterculture stuff. I guess you could say uh, skateboarding and snowboarding and uh, you know just independent thinking. And it didn't really jive with the whole Joe's Witness uh, thing. So yeah, I, I broke away as soon as I could when I felt like I was old enough to be independent. And uh, and it just sort of went my own direction. But I always had a, a deep spirituality. Yeah, um, I always had it interconnection with 
God. And so I always carried that with me. And as I got into my later teens, um, I had a lot of friends that were kind of uh, neo-Rastafarians, I guess you could say. And I got kind of deep into that culture in my late teen years. And that really, and, and there were some, I had some friends that were pretty serious about it. You know, they, they were very, very spiritually minded too, although they were approaching it from, I guess, a unique and kind of sure. yeah. odd angle uh, yeah. an obtuse angle, I guess you could say. But, um, but through that, I, and then I had some, just some free time when I was 19, I was living at home, uh, at my mom's house, I should say still, and just working and sort of, um, kind of breaking away from the, the social scene for a bit doing my own thing. And so I, I branched out into just studying all different world religions. Yeah. And at that point, I was sort of already pretty open-minded. And obviously, I knew Christianity, I knew the Bible. Um, but And I'd, I'd already read, studied Buddhism a little bit and Hinduism a little bit and some other stuff. I had some friends that were into transcend, transcendental meditation and, and some other stuff. And and actually, how I, how I uh, discovered the Urantia book, I was actually I was reading in transcendental meditation, and I, I was reading some books by an author named Courtney Brown, Doctor Courtney Brown, and he has a, a type of transcendental meditation which he terms remote viewing, and um, so he has written several books about this. And I was reading one of the books, and he talks about in one of the remote viewing sessions he contacted some midwayers. And um, he didn't say he was a Urantia book reader, really even familiar with it, but just mentioned in the book that this kind of fell in line with this book called the Urantia book. And um, I was just checking out books from the public library here in Port Angeles at the time. And so I was just sort of making my way through the whole uh, religious spirituality section. And, and they had the Urantia book there. They had a copy of it. So I went back to turn that book in, and I saw the wrench back. I thought, whoa, that's weird. Maybe I should check this out. So anyways, I, I didn't – that's sort of where my, my studies ended. I picked up the wrench book, and I delved deep into it, and I, I just kept studying it since then. So Did you read it, it from really the beginning? It really answered all the questions that I had. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so you read it from and the I'm, beginning. And I'm sort of a, yeah. a believer in the um, – you know, there's a part in, chapter, in paper 19 where they talk about the intentional reason why they present the information in the, the the way they do, starting from, you know, from God, from the center, and going out to us and to our human history, instead of approaching it from what the human mind would first want to do, which is start with our history and sort of work our way out or inwards. Isn't that interesting? Say, yeah, I always God. thought that was interesting, too, you know. And that is my guiding principle to my philosophy of studying the Urantia book. It always has been. That really struck a chord with me the first time I read it. And um, and I'm also, you know, I don't know. I could go deep into it. I don't want to sidetrack too much. No, but, no. I think this yeah, is, you so, know, we all But are... that ties into what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Is really what I'm trying to do is not make films about the Urantia book. What I'm trying to do is what I dub a cinematic translation. And so that's a word accurate translation of the Urantia book into an audiovisual or cinematic format. So really what I'm trying to do is if you can imagine the book, you have the written version of it, you can imagine the audiobook version that's out there, right? 
Um, yeah. So there's an audio version. What I'm trying to do is put an audio visual version out it, in its entirety, starting from the beginning, going to the end in order. You know, I'm looking and, at the first section of the book, and I'm wondering how on earth does he get, <laughs> I mean, why, you know, because it, let, yeah. let's look at some of the chapters, God the Father, the reality of God, God is a universal spirit, the mystery of God, and then you go yeah. into the Son and the nature of the first right. five chapters of the book are about God. So how do you approach translating that cinematically? Well, you have to be very creative, you know, and I've, you know, I have to say that I've, I've had a lot of, um, I guess, skepticism from readers so far about my ideas. And most people, I think, get hung up on that part of it. Yeah. And some people say they don't like the idea of anybody trying to do that even. Really? They they like the picture in their own mind and they don't want somebody ruining that by <laughs> painting their own crude human picture, which I agree with philosophically in a way, but at the same time, that's like saying that, you know, cavemen shouldn't have started doing cave drawings because it right. was crude art, even though it was the first art. If you're and familiar, that, just, that I can't accept that. I can't. Just, yeah. I can't accept the fact to say that that's wrong to try as humans. We have to try our best. And if this is the best we can do is a cave drawing, that's good enough. We should still do it. Uh, it on that we I sat in on a conference call not long ago, and if you're familiar familiar with Gary Tong's visuals, yep. Uh, if it weren't for some of those visuals, I it would have been a much harder time for me to comprehend Havona or sure. the structure of the. Well, the fact universe. of the matter is, there's lots of there's lots of proven studies on it, but it's far easier for anybody really to learn from an audiovisual presentation than it is from a text, mm -hmm. from reading a text. It's just there's exponentially you can learn more faster, more clearly, better. That's just a proven fact. Now, are so, you using really? Or, that's yeah. Uh, any AI involved in in this? That's a recent development. So this project that well, you've been, been I mean, around, there, yeah. I, I you know I haven't really started production yet. I mean I have to brave for so I really want to do things in um trying to do things in a high quality way and make this a, a a legitimate production. And really, even if I had all the funds to start right now, it would take a lot of work assembling the right team. And even if we got into full production, you know, when we were, you know, what I aim, what I'm aiming towards is producing about 12 papers a year, which kind of equates to about, it's, it's about like what producing a big budget television show series would be. Like if you had a 12 episode, one hour long episode season of a television series you watched um, and it came out once a year that would be about the production schedule that I'm aiming for. And that's a lot. A lot of these big budget shows, Netflix shows, they don't, they only come out like once every two, three years because it takes them that long to produce eight episodes, you know? So, and they, they spend you know, millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars sometimes in their production. So, you know, it, it's an ambitious goal. And even at 12, like if you break it down, there's 197 papers I'm talking about the forward and 196 papers. Yeah. So just do the math. How many years is that? It's a lot. It's over 20. Yeah. So um, this is a, it's an ambitious goal to say the least. And, and I'm just trying to, 
to get the ball rolling because I think that it's a worthy effort to do, um, no matter who does it or who's involved or what it takes. And I think that having that, once it's done, having that material to stand beside the text, and I'm not saying to get rid of the text, I'm not saying they're or the audio version or anything. I'm just, and, and, and other people, you know, I've had a lot of people, um, you know, say that they think what I'm trying to do represents mass marketing, which they're against. And I don't, I'm not trying to market. If you talk to me, I don't have any plan to market this. I just want to make it available free, just like the audio book version is just like the textbook version is. And if actually I have a thesis I wrote on what a cinematic translation is, and really it's just, it's that, it's a translation. So this is copyrighted material. The Urantia Foundation owns the material. I'm gonna give this to them when it's done and they can distribute however they want. And I'm gonna recommend free because I'm raising funds to do it through a nonprofit and we're not, I'm not aiming to make any money off it. So, but you know, it's gonna be their source material, just like the book is, just like the text. It's just another version of the same material. So, so that's the goal. I know it's kind of hard to understand. It's it's a little outside the box. I totally. <laughs> I don't talk, think so. You know, I, you know what? I'm not a weirdo. I, I understand what I'm doing is, is, well, is a little out there. So. You know, let me jump in here. You know, I would say in the 80s and the 90s and even the aughts, there was the some apprehension of taking it slow and, and not going out there and doing things that would. And I think that that is gone. I think that is the older generation of the people. It's sort of rooted sure. in the culture of the Urantia book in the early days because it was there was initially such massive rejection of the book in 1955 that sure. people actually kind of retreated. Well, maybe sure. maybe it's too soon for this world, right? But that's not the way right. it is now because we have so much, so many tools at our disposal, and I see things on on all the social media. I saw something today that I'm absolutely positively sure that the person who did it was probably a Urantia book reader. But that, that's the right. thing, is we, if we don't introduce the book and use the tools, imagine if the, um, you know, the Melchizedek missionaries, if they had the tools that we have today, right. I mean, they would have to literally walk to India to share the teachings of Melchizedek, and they would do it. It would take them months and years and decades. But now we can circle the globe in minutes. I think that's an right. advantage. I'm not saying we need to mass market the book and put up billboards no. and all that. It's not about the numbers. It's about the fact sure. that our that our society right now is going through a lot of turmoil and something like the Urantia book would would come and answer a lot of questions, which is one of the reasons we do this podcast is because we want yeah. it to be out there. We want people to, to be introduced yeah. to it. If they're not introduced yeah. to it, the, the midwayers can't help us in bringing people into the tent. So sure. tell me about, have you gone to Hollywood? Have you pitched anybody? Do you know anybody like some of the folks that no. read the Urantia book? I've, I understand it's very popular now in Hollywood. I had Well, not, I mean, know. that's, I don't really know for sure. I've, 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 I've studied into that a little bit and I know I've seen a little, you know, I've noticed, I guess what you call bleed into um, some popular culture from the Urantia book, um, you know, just incidentally and personally on my own. Um, so I know that it exists and, and, and actually there's, I forget his name, but there's a gentleman who's a G-Runch reader who's actually, I think he's writing a book or, or working on writing a book about, um, the Urantia books, uh, influence on pop culture, 
icons and you know he talks about Jimi hendrix oh yeah gene roddenberry and and some other really you know um, influential mm -hmm. people and i'm sure there's a lot more recent contemporary folks too I mean, oh sure I've got, I've, you know i like uh i listen to heavy metal music a lot i you know i work out i just i grew up in that generation like i said snowboarding skateboarding so sure. punk rock and Mm -hmm. and all that um, but one of my favorite bands uh, the death Jones, they have a they have a song named urantia you know so i mean what you know what does that tell you yeah so yeah. anyways um but all that aside no i i haven't you know i haven't approached anybody yet it, like i said this is a real soft launch and my I, my idea was to just try to first present it to the existing urantia community to let people know what I was doing, even though, like, you know, I haven't, I don't have a long history of involvement with any Urantia communities. I've just been an independent reader. Yeah, you know, I'm like Woody life. Allen, you know, any any club that would have me as a member, I probably wouldn't want to be a part of. That's what Woody Allen once said. Uh, <laughs> you know, right. I'm, I'm a solitary yeah. messenger, you know. I'm, I'm, a, sure. I'm a David Zebedee, not necessarily a John Zebedee, you know. Sure. Or, uh, Tell me a little bit, uh, let's get into the visuals a little bit. So keeping it as, as simple as possible, draw us a mental picture of what your first film might depict and your approach to making the cinematic translation. Tell, tell us how that, how that looks. Well, I have a little video up on my website on the, on the first page. It's this, it's, oh, first is my pitch video underneath it. There's a little sample video. So I guess that's as close as I could show at the moment it's really short but it's from the forward and of course i would start at the forward i'm you know just my methodology and the way i it, you know it would be great to produce the whole thing and just release it all at once but because it would take so long that's not really realistic and i think it should be kind of released like i would say my plan would be release it like maybe in seasons like maybe 10 12 papers at a time something like that yeah but i would start at the beginning then you know that being said i would start at the beginning so the first paper, the first film to be done, or, or episode, I guess is a more accurate way to term it, would be the forward. And and so I have a little sample of the forward that I cut. And it's just what I call a riff reel. So all, I just went on YouTube. And I didn't go out and shoot anything. I didn't spend any money making this. And actually, I cut that together like two years ago when I first came up with the idea to pitch this to your own foundation. Yeah. And, uh, so, and so I just downloaded clips from YouTube of videos that I thought kind of fit the visuals of what I was going for. So it's just a crude sketch. If you look at that cinematic translation sample video, I have really, that's just, it's a director without any crew or money or anything, just sitting alone. And it, you know, it's like the equivalent of me sketching a crude sketch on a piece of paper so I could go in and show somebody, show, you know, pitch a studio and say, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's a sketch of the idea of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So, and that's the best I can do right now because I'm not, I'm not a 3D artist. I don't have all the skills to do this. It's going to take a big team to put together even something really even representative of what I'm trying to do because it's going to take, but, but I guess the closest I could be, I could say, I don't know if you've watched series like, um, like our planet or there's a BBC series like prehistoric earth. Um, yeah, I, I know ones. a lot of um, CGI might so be involved. You, uh, I would think exactly. So if you watch those series, that's what the production um, format that I'm going for. Yeah. So obviously it's narrator driven. So these earlier papers, obviously, so the the narrators, um, the divine counselor that does the first the forward and the first few papers, 
that's a character. I mean, and you might see that person or character a couple of times. So that's that's a decision. Do we cast real people for which I'm in favor of, or do you make them completely digital characters? I don't know. I mean, these are all decisions that need to be made, and I haven't made them all. And it's going to take a team of people, and there's going to be a lot of factors that determine it: time, budget, all these different things. These 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 are the the nuts and bolts of the production that need to be getting into that that I can't really start digging into all the way until I get there. And because this is a film project and it's based around a lot of technology that's new and in development, it's it's like a moving target, you know. I can give you an estimate today of the way I would do it, but tomorrow it's going to be different. And a year from now it's going to be different, you know, because I have to stay on top of that moving target and so it's really hard to say until i get to a place where i'm ready to start production what the exact methods would be and what exactly we'd be doing but yeah obviously the first few papers a lot of the first you know part one uh, um and part two are are largely going to be digital animations i want to give out your web address now so that people listening to the podcast can go on online and look at what, what we're talking about here. Uh, it's fifthepicalfilms.com. Fifth Epical, yep. not, and not fifth like five, but F-I-F-T-H, fifthepicalfilms.com. And uh, great logo. And you've got some demos up too. Uh, you can also subscribe to a daily newsletter. And, and you do a lot of writing, and I could tell that you're a very good writer. I want to ask you a question. This is a little off guard, uh, but all those years when you were young, and you were knocking on doors uh, when you were doing uh, what you do as a Jehovah's Witness. Did any of that prepare you for what you're doing now? But really, I think if anything, I, if I carry over anything from actually the earlier days as being a Jehovah's Witness when I was young, it's really just the truth. It's like anything else, I guess. If you, it doesn't matter what religion you were in. If you, if you through that found the truth you know that's out there that's real you know because there's a lot of truth in the bible there's a lot of truth in 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 what people believe even through their um you know uh, these evolutionary religions um you know there's a lot of truth to be found there and you can find a real connection you know by real experiences that's what religion is really so i had a lot of that a lot of that was real i had a lot of real experiences when i was young and those still stick with me they they translate over now there's not really i've come to a place now i guess where in my mind there's not really any difference i I don't think of myself then as a different you know as a different person religiously it was just that was just a a part of my religious experience and I consciously maybe thought about it differently because of my surroundings at the time. But now there's no difference. It was just, you know, it was just a religious experience that I had. So we are talking with Ryan Herring. He is uh, the CEO, the owner, the director, all the, the bottle, chief bottle washer, as they say, of the fifth epical films. And you've got a major uh, project here. You want to take the first part of the Arantia book and make it come to life on the silver screen, as they say. But I, I, I think I get your... I've often thought if you had a something like what the History Channel does, but if you had a right. series that went into the Arantia book, I, I, I just found right. somebody should do that someday. Maybe it would be too soon. Maybe it'd be, you know... But why, why the first part? Why not, like, something more relatable, like part well, three of the book? That's the most common, I guess, second question I get. And it's just, again, it ties back to me 
to you know ideally if there was one an ideal way to do it and time wasn't a factor i would do the whole thing and put it all out as one and 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 actually if you watch the sample video that i did so i hired a guy to do a little voice over thing and i carried over what the urantia foundation added to the beginning of the audiobook as they say that the urantia book is published as a whole the forward in 196 papers it's meant to be studied in the relation to the whole and not to be separately studied each individual part because taken out of context yeah and if you keep it within its context then meetings are amplified and and this sort of thing and so i put that in there and i just added it, it says whether written or heard and i added whether written heard or viewed yeah and and i that's the underlying philosophy you can't break away from that and it's fine like i don't look i don't have any problem with people making piecemeal stuff or videos about the Urantia book or trying to introduce the Urantia book to people, all that is great. That's all great. It has a value. I'm not saying that doesn't have a value, but what I'm trying to do is completely different. I'm simply trying to present. What I believe in is that if I had a choice, okay, if I could give somebody the Urantia book, instead of talk, explaining it to them, I would give it to them and have them read it, the whole thing. That would be my number one choice if I could do. To, if I had the choice to introduce the Urantia book to somebody in the, the ideal way, it would just simply to be to take myself out of it, to not try to reinterpret it yeah. or filter between it. I believe in the you know the value of each individual's mind and their own personal experience with the unfiltered revelation. They deserve that. People deserve an unfiltered experience with it not somebody else's reinterpretation right not that those are bad but what people really crave what they need is that the revelation itself the real thing all of it 100 percent, not changed not filtered not reinterpreted yeah uh and that's it that's that's the underlying principle and so to start with the beginning because it's such a long thing, like I said, it just that's it needs to be studied in order. You need to start at the beginning and go paper by paper. I really truly believe that, and I also believe there's a cyclical nature to it. So I believe not only do you need to go to the beginning, but once you get to, you can't, you don't, need, you can't even understand the forward all the way unless you've read the whole book. Yeah, that's true. A lot so of people have that. trouble with the you forward. You can't comprehend the forward unless you've read the whole entire book already. So think about that for a second. You have to read it all in paper, and then you have to read it all in order, and you have to read it again and again and again to really comprehend it. There's a cyclical nature to it in the order, and it's intentional. And I want to preserve that. I, be I believe that people deserve to have it unfiltered. It's their choice. They can do whatever they want. You can start whatever paper you want. I'm not trying to tell people what they should do. But the, what I want to do is offer people the opportunity to do it in what I believe is the intended way. That's it. So once again, the fifth epicalfilms.com, fifth epicalfilms.com, and the, the man behind this project is Ryan Herring, and he's with us today, and his work is good. I, I've seen from what little I can see, uh, I mean, do you have, fa you have any directors that, that you particularly like that you sort of are your mentors oh sure i mean i i i i like a lot a lot of contemporary work that's out there um you know really what i what i like nowadays i'm really into is long series television yeah. you know 
um, because it's just so for for me nowadays when I watch a film, it's just so unsatisfying because it's so short. Yeah, you know, you can't really tell a story in ninety minutes, you know, or even two hours. It's just it's hard. I mean, you can you can tell there are some good ones. I'm not saying there's not good films, but there's just so much more depth and and you know character development, all that story development in long format series. So that's really what I like. I like the long format dramatic series. So I like a lot of the big sci-fi series that are out there. Um, yeah. So um, what was yeah. one we watched recently? Silo on Apple TV. That was pretty good. Yeah, my uh, son Tom t- told me about that one. I'm going to check that out. Uh, well, yeah. listen, I, I appreciate you coming by, and I hope to have you on again, and we can continue oh, to follow yeah, your really progress. Appreciate the opportunity to, yeah, to talk about what I'm doing and rant and rave for a few. So. No, it's good. You know what? Uh, we're all working to move that boulder uphill, you know? so really want to take a shout-out personally just to, like, again, like to everybody's doing work, everybody's doing work on all fronts, everybody's doing a video work, you know, large or small, you know, Gary, David, of course, the big names everyone knows about, but also anybody's out there, you know, there's a lot of people with small channels, making videos, making blogs, um, writing and putting good information out there, encouraging people and just drawing people towards it. So I think that all that work is great and super beneficial. And I just really want to clarify what, you know, what it is that I'm trying to do because it is different, I think, from from what uh, people assume when they, uh, when they look at it face value because it, it's sort of outside the box a little bit. So. Again, fifthepicalfilms.com to find out more. I want to thank Ryan Herring for joining me on the Urantia Radio podcast. Coming up next, we'll delve into papers 70 and 71 in the state of our government from the viewpoint of the revelators. And if you want to reach me on any topic or question you have about this podcast or about the Urantia book, Best way is by email, Radio at gmail.com, Radio at gmail.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we'll see you again soon. God bless. <laughs>